listening to the one two three show with me noreen mayor on this friday afternoon and friday is really my favorite time of the week not just because we're one day from the weekend but because we've got the agenda cafe and i'd love to welcome back on the program our wonderful co-host karen co how are you doing karen i'm good very happy that it's friday of course because it's friday and also i get to talk to you Exactly. And our wonderful guests who joins us uh, live this afternoon, I thought I'd say Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, so our listeners can be viewers today for our wonderful topic, a very important topic. What are we talking about today, Karen? Yeah, so it is Friday, May 7th, and this Sunday is Mother's Day. Uh, so I hope you have ordered your chocolates, flowers, champagne, etc. for your mum. And so I was thinking about, you know, Mother's Day and all the, of course, the traditions, but also the commercialization that goes around it and all the imagery associated with it. And I thought we'd, we'd really take a little bit of a twist because while all of us either have or have had a mother, not everybody wants to be a mother. And the social narrative in all of society, really, I mean, it's, it, it's the 21st century, but this is still the way it is is that um, as a woman, you grow up, you get married, you have children. That's sort of the linear path that 99% of the population are expected to take. And it's, it, it's not necessarily for everyone. So today we're going to talk about choosing to be child-free and how that choice is viewed in society. So we're joined by our two guests. Tanya Wessels, who's a sustainability advocate, writer, and public speaker. Um, I met Tanya last year through the TEDx Tinhao Women organization. She gave her first TEDx talk last year, and she's in the process of launching her first business, which is a sustainability consultancy called Revive. So Tanya, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Great to be here. And we're also joined by Laura Trackman. And Laura is a Canadian-Australian who's been in Hong Kong for the past five years. She has a STEM background. Uh, she was a research scientist and she's published work in human molecular genomics. And before the pandemic, she liked to travel, as did most of us. So, Laura, <laughs> welcome to the program, too. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it. Yeah, so I do want to say we don't have any men on today's program. Um, and that was a little bit of a conscious decision because... Of course, you know, men can choose to have children as well, but men are not automatically biologically assumed to want children. So so that we will talk about how men feel about it, though. But maybe first, if we get our guests to share their, their stories with us. So maybe, Tanya, if you want to go first, can you share, you know, your story and reasons why, you know, you've decided not to have kids? Um, yes, absolutely. I think like most of us, there wasn't a linear, well, for me at least, there wasn't a linear decision. I never grew up saying child, you know, having children is not for me. Quite the contrary. I grew up thinking I'll have three. Three seems like a good number. I like the symmetry. I like the number. Life happens. You happen. And the person you are when you're in your 20s, the person you are in your 30s, and the situation and people around you change. And when life finally aligned things for me and um, I met my husband and we got married and it was time to make that decision and this also happened a lot later in life um, I was like okay here we go and then I was like oh actually maybe not and maybe after all the things I've seen and done and heard and experienced maybe I want something else so the irony of the story in my story was that after all those years of kind of thinking possibly maybe when it actually came down to it I was like uh, no thanks 
I'm good. <laughs> a bit a bit unexpected. That's interesting. And did you have a lot of discussions with your husband about this? We did. We did. And the kind of because we both met a little bit later in life, it kind of became this abnormally, absurdly important conversation because we didn't have a decade to entertain it. It was a bit like, okay, we do actually need to make a decision in addition to all the other decisions we need to make about our lives right now. And um, so how do you feel? And he was like, I don't know kind of neither here nor there and I said oh me too which is probably not the best dynamic between two people at that stage because it was a bit like we're both on the fence about this and uh, I think if one person is really adamant they can convince the other person and make it all sound like a great idea but when you're both ambivalent it, you need another third party so we went to a fertility expert my husband said let's let's get a professional opinion here let's get the kind of icebreaker and we, you know, we waited for a number of months to get the opportunity to go see this very revered uh, fertility expert in Hong Kong. And we sat in her office and she was filling out the paperwork and just didn't even look up. And she was saying, so you are this age and you are that age and you really want a child. And I said, well, we'd like to explore what's involved in having a child. And she dropped everything. And she looked at us and she said, for God's sake, just don't do it. And really? we were... We're like, what? And it's like, isn't it your job to convince us that this is the best thing that will ever happen to us? And she was like, no, children will not make your life better. They will make your life different, but they will not make your life better. And to be quite honest, just go enjoy your lives. Go have a good time. And as shocking as it was, it was also a huge relief because it felt like we were given permission to feel the way we were feeling. And from an expert, no less. So here was somebody who we really didn't expect this from. A doctor. This is her job. And she was just like, no, don't do it. I mean, she didn't say don't do it. She said she, she talked us through a number of different processes. And when the shock subsided, we talked through, the, okay, if we were to pursue this avenue, what's involved? Uh, fertility treatments, if we needed it, traveling to this part of the world and that part of the world. And it became hugely complex. And, and then she did say at the end, you know, we were both a bit like, okay, we we think we this is not for us and she said well i will suggest a psychologist for you to speak to in a week's time to just really talk this through and understand how you feel about it and a week later like in a woody allen film we're sitting in the sofa of somebody's therapy room and um and i i cried because i had understood that this was a decision that i was fully making but as with everything every decision you mourn a process that is not going to happen and I was completely fine with that. I needed to do that. I wanted to do that. And I found it was healthy because what had at that point been happening to me a lot was that the ambiguity of not knowing whether I'm going to do this or not placed a lot of stress on me. I would walk down the street and I'd be thinking, should I be ovulating? Should I be doing this? Should I be, you know, taking folic acid? Should I be planning kindergartens or should I just go buy some oranges? I'm not really sure. And that became really quite overwhelming. So once a decision was made, all of that disappeared. And then it became a process of, okay, how do we enjoy this? How do we make peace with it? And how do we get really good at this? And perhaps even tell other people that there's something really good in this as well. So that's kind of a little bit about how it came for me. Did you have a supportive network around you, Tanya? I mean, sometimes, I mean, this decision is always solely between you and your partner. At the same time, there are well-meaning friends and family who sort of second-guess personal choices what was that like and and because it was very far from it was a different path that you had originally wanted three kids sounds very different to you know what zero <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so, so what was that journey like 
I did my research beforehand and I really took my closest friends aside and I told them, give me the lowdown here. Tell me the truth. Yay or nay? Do you enjoy this or not? I know you love your kids. I know they're fantastic. They're great. Yes, we all love them. However, how do you feel about motherhood? And I was quite surprised by the answers because I, I thought, again, I was going to be told how my life will not be complete unless I experience this particular aspect of it and how it's the best thing that ever happened to them. And unanimously, they all adore their children. I'm saying this quite straight out. I wouldn't have a problem saying if some of them thought they were not great, but everybody loves their kids. And some of them said, it's do it if you really, really, really want to have kids. And that to me was a really big sign. Like if this really is something that you're so passionate about, you will get and you will feel all the sacrifices and the benefits and the joys will all come together for you. But if it's, if it's not something that you really, really want, think carefully. And, and I thought that was very good advice because it's not about her opinion. It's, a, it's a more of a it's more of an experience that she can say, knowing what she knows. So I thought I thought that was really good advice. Wow, you yeah, really did your yeah. research. Um, Laura, I can <laughs> see you nodding. Laura Trackman, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, what was your journey? What was your story of sort of wanting a child-free life? I think mine is very much in contrast to Tanya's because I, from a very young age, was very much sure I didn't want children. I remember being like five years old, being handed my little brother and being like, oh, this is a baby. Oh, that's nice. Okay, you can take it back now. I'm done here. And of course, I love holding babies nowadays and such, but I'm also more than happy to hand them back at the same time. I think I've always just assumed I love my individual autonomy. I'm really happy to just go about my day, not necessarily feeling the need to reproduce and I've always been like this. And um, I of course met some and dated some individuals who had a completely different idea. And they were always like, no, we're gonna have kids. I'm gonna, you're gonna have many of my children. And I was always very, ooh, ooh, this sounds a bit stressful. Let's let's right. pump the brakes and- A bit bossy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my ex, interesting story that. But um, no, I've always kind of thought about this and it was really interesting because like, I'm now married and I love my husband to pieces and his ex-girlfriend also was very much, they were having kids and he was always very uncomfortable with the idea as well. And he didn't really realize until later on in life and like with the internet and meeting me and everything that there wasn't an, ex an existence that existed without having children. Having said that, I also was like, oh, I'm never going to get married, but I ended up doing that. So <laughs> we, think we know our minds. We don't always, but yeah. Um, it was always just something that never particularly interested me. I didn't have baby dolls. I had Barbies and Legos and action figures. But from a young age, it was just not something I wanted. And I did seriously consider it um, at various stages in my life, because especially when my friends started um, having babies, I was I was so happy for them. And I was so interested in the process, especially that like medical side. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a human inside you. That's so cool. But then at the end of the day, I was really happy to hear about it. And I was really happy to also talk about six billion other things and move on to other topics because I just didn't feel the need to pursue the same lifestyle as them, I suppose. Mm. Um, and so far, I'm absolutely thrilled with the choices I've made. Not every single one. And this last year hasn't been great for everyone. <laughs> but um, I've never questioned I've, I wanted kids. That's quite, I think, unique to me and unique to a few other people as well. Um, Laura, what about your family? I mean, we all know Karen, that just come a bit closer parents... to the mic. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. P 
parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents, especially when you get married, the next question is, oh, when are you going to have a baby, right? So what, how did your family kind of um, uh, accept or, or react to your decision? Well, um, I think they knew me from early on that I was very against it. I think occasionally my parents and like my in-laws have, of course, hoped that I would have grandkids for them or just extend the family because, of course, family is a beautiful thing. But I was never particularly shy at or like not soft-spoken about not wanting kids. So they are always more happy to say, do whatever makes you happy, whatever you like. Um, if you feel like it, then great. If you don't, then don't do it. Because I think they understood on many levels that if you pursued having children and you weren't fully, your heart wasn't fully in it, then how could you be a good parent? How could you live your life and be happy if you did something that requires so much work and so much strength and not have a heart in it? So I think they really recognized the difference between making like having their children happy and also continuing a family and it's not necessarily black and white and there's this huge gray area and I think I very much live in that gray area where I want them to be happy and I want family and I want all these things but I don't want to reproduce in that regard it's very mm. yeah I think it's just such a personal choice and everyone accepted that it was a personal choice and not a responsibility. Right. Yeah. Or it's not, it's not uh, their choice to make for you or their vision to impose on you. So one thing I'm curious about is for both of you is your husbands. Now, you know, you probably get asked the bulk of the child related questions. What about does you, does your husband get asked like why aren't you having kids or when are you going to have kids? Maybe Laura, do you want to go first? Sure. Um he gets asked quite a lot actually. Um was like, "Oh, when you and you, when are you and your missus going to have a family? When do you have kids?" etc. and for the most part he's just like, "Oh, we we're not we're not interested. It's not for us." And usually if they decide to pursue, he does have to feel the need to justify the same as me, which is quite odd. I think it's because we're both at that age where we look young and, oh, oh, you're married, you have a wedding. Okay, what's the next step? So I think he does get it quite a lot. Maybe when we're a little older, we'll get it a lot less. But um, he usually is just like, oh, no, we're not interested. But every so often, people do the same with me, push him. And sometimes he has a bit of fun with it and just like kind of like, oh, it's not on the cards for us. And he does it as a, just kind of a joke to kind of show how inappropriate that question is. Yeah. And same, so do I. Because it is an inappropriate question for small talk. I think if it's your best friends, yeah, dive into the details, get in there and nitty gritty, hash it out. But it's not a small talk subject and he gets it in small talk a lot. Whereas our friends, they know us, so they're totally chill. It doesn't really come up. Mm, yeah. but, and Tanya, what about yeah. your husband? I don't know. Either we look like people who don't reproduce or we're at the other side of the age spectrum. I don't know. It just never comes up. Well, with the fam with his family initially it did. Or sometimes you'll get like a, yeah, but you two don't have children kind of thing. But I went to film school and as when I was young. So I've always grown up with people who are a little bit outside society's mainstream. So I've I've never expected people to ask me that and they kind of haven't. So maybe I've just been living like Laura says in that gray area where you kind of neither here nor there and then kind of traveling outside my culture and living away from my peers, away from 
I don't know, so many things. I think I've kind of dodged it successfully. It's never been a really big issue for me. I think the only thing that I kind of find odd sometimes is that people assume that I hate children because I don't have them. And I find myself having conversations that start by saying, I do not hate children. And I find that odd because... Why do you need to justify? (laughs) I don't hate old people either. Actually, I I, I like children, babies, short people, old people. I like them all. I think they're all great. And I think they're all just a stage of life. And people have this fascination with children, but this is not a thing. It's just a stage of a bigger thing. So to say that you love children is a bit absurd. I mean, yeah, they're entertaining and they've got a lot of energy and they say funny things, but they will become wherever you are in your life right now. And hopefully they will become old too. So let's enjoy children let's celebrate them let's not make them the pinnacle of everything and i really find this curious because i think we do this as a society and i think to some extent i've thought about this a little bit is it because very often they are dependent on us and they can get away with things because they're not adults and they're not fully formed so they don't know what they're saying ha 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 isn't it funny that they can do that so they're kind of this kind of wild version of everything that we wish we could be outspoken uninhibited energetic and, and, and dependent on us, and to some extent, almost like mirrors of us. So they're this utopic vision of, of people, like children are great. They're great. So is everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think if we just kind of gave more respect to every stage of life, rather than just focusing everything on this very short-lived and sometimes ego, ego-heavy stage of our lives, I think it'd be a little bit more interesting for everybody across the spectrum. I, I might say something a bit unpopular. You know, I, I have children, but I, I, I love my children. I don't, I don't love all children. <laughs> but, you, know, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I hope I won't get flamed by the listeners. You know, some children are very annoying and you, you have to just, you know, you know, call a spade a spade. Um, I, yeah. I do want to say, you know, why do you think women, um, maybe I'm generalizing uh, hugely here, but why do you think women uh, face more of these questions? You know, is it because the woman equals mother narrative, uh, where does it come from, sort of? And why is it sort of stuck? And why do women have to face more of of the questions? But I mean, based on what you both said, it doesn't sound like you're having to answer more questions that, that, than your spouses. But surely you've met other child-free people. Um, and, you know, is it the women who get more questioned? Laura? Um, well, I think... I think I get more questioned because I think I'm at that age where there suddenly introduces the biological clock thing and it's relatively recently married. So I also think there's the aspect of couples where the mother's always considered the, sorry, the female's always considered maternal, caring, loving, something soft and warm to come to. And the man is, of course, these are really, really archaic gender roles. And the man is seen as something more of a provider, et cetera. And the, these roles, roles need to change, obviously. But I think women just are seen as much more biologically specified to reproduce and to make children. And men are just kind of seen as larrikins and they can go off and do their own thing. And I think that does, of course, need to change. And I think it is changing because only really recently have I started to meet some amazing child-free, not just women, but also men. And... I think that in the prior decade, this would have been unimaginable. We would have been seen as purely defective, deficient and dismissed. But now we're in an age where we're still, where we are valid, and but we're still seen as valid. And I think that's a big distinction that's coming about with modern age is the fact that we can still contribute to society without just reproducing. You can contribute in so many ways. And it doesn't have to just 
be this singular thing that makes a woman a woman. You're a woman in so many ways and you're capable of so many things. And I think previously it was just like, you weren't capable because of the gender roles and staying at home and all those things. But now, now it's different. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll, we'll go to our news and we'll continue this really, really interesting topic of uh, people choosing to be child free uh, on this afternoon on the Agenda Cafe. A quick look at the weather forecast for this. Off- By the way, we'll still stay on Facebook Live, but we'll just avert the camera a little bit and uh, we'll continue with this chat. A quick look. at. Welcome back. You're listening to the Agenda Cafe this afternoon on RTHK Radio 3 with me, Karen Coe and Noreen Mir. And we are also on Facebook Live. If you go to Noreen's Facebook page, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, you can see us as well as hear us. And today we are talking about um, choosing to be childless uh, ahead of Mother's Day when uh, not everybody wants to be a mum and not everybody needs to be a mum. And we're joined by two great guests, Laura Trackman, who's a Canadian-Australian living here in Hong Kong and is a research scientist, and Tanya Wessels, who is a sustainability advocate. So um, just before the break, Laura, you were talking about how, you know, as a woman, you can contribute so well to society without having to be a mother, yet that narrative still persists. Um, Tanya, what are your thoughts about this, how here we are in the 21st century and these kind of prehistoric um, gender roles still exist, that just because you have a womb, you're expected to be a mother? I feel quite excited. I think it's a really good time to be in the situation where the choices that I that a few of us are because we're living longer and we're looking at ways to contribute to this world in different ways. And I think that we're opening the options and we're getting and, and I know there's still many barriers, but if we look at the trajectory of humanity, this is probably a pretty good place to be. And the, the idea and the hope is to make this even easier going forward for everybody else who comes along and who decides further down the line and who doesn't want to have these really boring banal conversations and you can accept that person has made that decision and move on to something way more interesting so i think it's a it's a kind of a a fortunate time but it's also a time of huge um opportunity to make this way more engaging for everybody along the lines and to ask questions like, okay, if I don't choose this path, what else can I do with this path? What's more available to me? Life is a trade-off in every single way, shape or form. And this is yet another one of them. Mm. So I feel pretty excited and optimistic. Yeah. Do you, do oh, sorry, you still think though, there is, there persists this view that um, if you don't have kids that you're somehow to be pitied you know it's like oh it's so sad for you that you you don't you're not going to have grandkids or you when you grow old who's going to take care of you you know all that those kinds of um thoughts um i think we all have all kinds of thoughts and i think if you are a mother then you're concerned about your children's well-being all the time what if something happens to them what if this happens and so you know what if so the, the, the spectrum of concerns that we have as humans is wide and everybody taps into different parts of it. it this is just the, the name of the game of being here. So, um, yes, of course, I sometimes wonder who's going to look after me when I'm 98. But that also makes me think I am. And here's an opportunity to get really good at staying fit and staying healthy and staying engaged and, and looking after myself and being of service to others and helping others see that as well. So I think this this longevity and this better health, I know this is weird to say during a pandemic, but we are getting better at health in many parts of the world. And, and I do see this as a growing opportunity for, for us as society, because ultimately we all want the same thing. We want a happy, 
harmonious, successful society. And parenthood is one way into that. And all the other ways are also part of that equation. So looking after older people, getting older better, look being more inclusive for everyone is the name of the game. So whether you have children or not, this is the underlying theme. So there are so many ways to get there. Yeah, I'll tell you who will be looking after us. Robots. You know, that's the future. <laughs> We're going to have a robotic kitchen cooking us meals. I'm going to type in, I want macaroni and cheese, and then it's going to appear on my stove. I think that's <laughs> I think that's the future, whether we have children or, or no children. But what about that point of regret? Now, we, we often hear that, you know, it's something that you'll regret down the line. I'm sure uh, perhaps you or some of your child-free friends have heard that phrase before. You know, um, you don't know what you're missing out on. H- how do you address questions like that? Um, <laughs> see you shaking your head you know um uh, laura perhaps uh, you, you can go first um yeah sure um i i think we all have regrets but i don't think that they're all necessarily bad either like sometimes i regret i didn't do this thing involving climbing a mountain it would have been cool etc to do that but at the same time i don't want to go climb everest because that's scary and hard and difficult and training and i think maybe i regret not climbing everest but having not done it doesn't mean that regret is a bad thing either. Also, the fact that I've had people come to me and say, even in my relatively small friendship circle of new parents and new um, new people getting married and starting a life together, I have had parents say to me, oh, sometimes we look at your guys' lifestyle and we kind of think, oh, we have a bit of envy, like Laura and David, you're off in your own world, having all this fun, flying off to where before pandemic, doing whatever, and occasionally like, oh, we come and envy your lifestyle. But it's never been vice versa. Mm-hmm. I have never sat with my friends with children. I've enjoyed them and like playing with them, holding them, but I've never sat there and envied their life. So as far as regret goes, I have none with this decision. Absolutely. Maybe it'll change. Well, Maybe. I don't have a future like crystal ball, but Absolutely. I was gonna say, you know, if you've quite set on not wanting to do something, how can you regret something that you don't want to do? You know, I, th- I think that's the, 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 the kind of um, uh, argument I, I take from that. Tanya, wh- what about for you? Um, I'm pretty good at digging in deep into the, 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 the upsides of whatever decisions you make. And um, so I'm just going really deep into that. I'm really trying to be more of service to the, uh, the environmental work I do, being there for my family. I am a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a, you know, everybody's something to everyone. How do you, how do you be really good at that? There are a lot of people around us who need love, who need attention, who need just affection, a stranger on the street. And I know it sounds trite, but I do really see that that's kind of part of my role. And, and I think the more enthusiastic and genuine I can be about the upside of things, the more I might help people understand that they have options, hopefully, because that is the goal here. Whatever choice you make, this is not about not having children. This is about having the option that's right for you. And just to help people understand that there are a lot of ways that that could look. We haven't necessarily been educated by the media, by generations and cultures to think that way. But hang on, there are other ways to do this. So I really see my role as just getting really good at at being there for a lot of different people. And again, not necessarily children. A lot of people my age are depressed, sad, alone. And I really have a lot of empathy. And and I think that perhaps some of us are just wired to do different things. And and I do feel part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was just interested, um, um, Tony, when you talked earlier about the focus in society on children. I mean, I have three children. They're adults now. I actually really like them now because they're adults. (laughs) 
I don't have to do everything for them. And, and I have to say, when my first son was born, I, you know, at like five or six weeks, held him, and I was like, "Who is this person? And what am I supposed to do with them?" And like there, there was this overwhelming sense of responsibility with no guidebook. It's kind of like have the child, and then you're on your own. And you know, you tr you just try to do the best you can. Um, but I do think there is too much focus on everything being child-centered so that when you become a parent, everything you do has to revolve around your kids, uh, which I never, you know, I always felt ambivalent about. And maybe, you know, I was probably not the most attentive mother in that I didn't, I wasn't at the school every week or even every month. <laughs> Sometimes I was the last one to know what was going on. Um, because I had other things I still wanted to do. Sometimes but I don't I, even know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. But, but I, you know, I do feel like there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of competition when you have kids from other parents saying, oh, have you signed your kid up for this? And have you enrolled them in that? And it's like a keep up with the Joneses kind of bizarre thing. So I also wish, you know, that people could just be normal about it, that, yeah, you have the kid, the kid is portable, you take them wherever you want to go, they become part of your life as opposed to your life changing completely just to revolve around them. I mean, I think that's, you know, it, it's kind of gone too far in that way. That's, that's a really good point because I think this is something that we forget. And, you know, I like to think, I like to remember when I was a child and walking down the street, let's say I was five years old, somewhere in the world, and somebody will come up to you and pinch your cheeks and say, you little girl, a little boy, you are going to really do something in this world. And then we grow up and we have children and then we look at our children, you little child, you are going to really do, and actually that child is you and it continues to be you, whether you have children or not. We just repeat these patterns of expectations and I think that many parents, not all, Many parents live their unfulfilled or their fulfilled ideas through their children. Um, and that's normal and that's natural. But there's also a lot of pressure, and I think some cultures are better at that pressure than others, of really being like full on before the child's even in this world. Like you're conceiving and it's already like waiting. And I thought, I don't want to be a part of that. None of that to me is interesting, engaging, and makes me feel like maternal or I just see this as another iteration of this world that is just go, 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 achieve, 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 earn, 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 show off, show off, show off. And everybody's doing, I mean, it's just this pattern and it's not interesting. And, and I see parenthood to some extent, an extension of that sometimes. Yeah. Laura? What's, sorry. Sorry, Laura, what, what's your take on that? You know, um, I'm quite excited to maintain my identity. I'm never going to be someone's mom. So I'm never going to be like John or Jane's mom. I'm not going to be this person. I'm always going to be Laura and I'm always going to be myself. And I don't have to give up any of my identity. And while some people are happy to make that sacrifice or happy to make their children part of their identity, I'm really excited just not to. And I think it's quite interesting, Tanya raised some points about culture and how these choices are obviously more accepted or less accepted in various cultures. I think the fact that we are able to make this decision and make it verbally and outspoken and go on the radio to talk about it, the fact that we are able to do this is actually a wonderful luxury afforded to us by this culture because there are definitely cultures in the world where this is very, very taboo and would not be allowed to be talked about or um, or promote it. But the fact we can do this, I think it's an amazing thing. And I'm really happy 
that we're able to make this choice and it's not frowned upon and it's accepted well by some more than others but yeah i think it's a great step forward yeah, we have some comments on Facebook as well, and I'd really love our listeners uh, to, to join us there uh, this afternoon. Um, uh, uh, Kirsten writes in to say, uh, she has a mixed bag of reasons here. She says, I personally uh, just don't want to have kids, never have and never will. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing people say, oh, you'll change your mind or wait until you meet the right person because my right person won't want kids either and I won't change my mind. So people, please stop saying that, especially when you don't know me. And she says, anywho, my bike is my baby. Uh, there's been lots of changes in society, social media to blame for a lot of this and not too happy with uh, the world economy and general life will be like in 50 years time. And she says, it's scary biscuits, really. Um, and uh, Carolyn uh, writes in to say, uh, I have known for as long as I can remember that I don't have a maternal bone in my body. So kids uh, have never been on the agenda. However, I also don't feel I've been pressured at any point. Uh, maybe I just have a great family and group of friends who realize that such choices are totally normal. I definitely have been asked by people who don't know me well if I plan to and frequently had the comment that, well, there's time yet, which always felt pretty presumptive about perceived societal norms. Uh, but I would usually leave the conversation and move on to something else, if so. And for my family, uh, for my friends who do have kids, I think they're amazing too. Uh, Conrad says, uh, well, especially in the Chinese culture, not having kids is frowned upon. And he also adds, uh, uh, let's say that he felt an obligation, then actually wanted one at the beginning. I've talked to many parents that felt the same too. Saving grace is most if... Uh, not all eventually grew into not regretting it. This sounds like a Chinese thing. And then Daisy adds, uh, I think having it all is a myth because as far as I'm aware, there's no employer that will look kindly at a gaping hole in your CV until our working environment can develop flexibility to cater for the needs and priorities in different stages of our lives. Career and parenthood is still a choice. Uh, well, the, the many points that um, I think I will sort of uh, maybe maybe start with Daisy's point. What about that point? You know, is it a choice? You know, if you're choosing to advance in one area of your life, say your career, um, is parenthood something that has to give way? Uh, Tanya, uh, let, let's start w with you first. Did you feel that, you know, by by undergoing, but but by you know uh, taking on parenthood, which may have been considered at some point in your life, did you feel that you'd have to make space for it? Other things had to give in your life. I did, but I didn't let that. I've understood that many people have done this, and that there are ways of doing it. And of course, there are challenges. But if you will, things will fall into place when. I have no doubt that when you have your child and you hold your child, you change, your body changes, your world changes, your hormones change, things shift. And that's nature's way of kind of, I guess, getting you used to this absurdity that you've just popped someone out. So, you know, nature has its ways of recalibrating and hopefully you're living in a society that can be accommodating. Of course, that's we know that the idea is better than the reality. I, I never let the idea of parenthood standing in the way of my career choices um, influence that. Um, so I don't have direct experience with that. Yeah. I, th I think for me, Noreen, you know, it's, it's definitely hard. I mean, uh, when I went back to work after 
giving birth the first time. I went back after three months. I was totally ambivalent. Um, I was found it very hard to concentrate at work because I was thinking about, you know, what is Aiden doing at home? And for the first two weeks, I went home at lunchtime and he was asleep. So then after two weeks, I'm like, I'm not going to go home at lunchtime anymore because he's just asleep. So I go home and I don't even, you know, get to see him. But I think you, you always feel that conflict that, oh, I'm in the office all day and what am I missing out on? And then when you're at home, you're thinking, maybe I'm not giving 100% at work. So I felt for many, many years kind of dissatisfied on both fronts that I wasn't giving 100% to the family nor 100% to work. And you, it's sad, but you just kind of live with that. It's like, well, this is the way it's going to be until they grow up. And now that they've grown up and gone, I feel like I perform much better at work because I'm not thinking about the day-to-day -day sort of childcare. And it's not the physical, it's the mental load, which you know now is being talked about a lot more that as you know, Noreen, when you're a parent, all the things you have to do to plan for your kids week to week, take up a huge amount of physical, mental energy and time. And usually in most cases, it's the mother who has to do it. Otherwise, it doesn't get done. So, you know, I, I do feel like it, it, is, it is really hard and no one's come up with the right solution or, or, or the right way to balance that. That's why they keep calling it a, a juggling act and nobody ever, you know, can keep all the balls go going. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I mean, if, you know, I, I don't think I've found the magic formula for, for, the, for the sort of, you know, having it all. When I'm working late in the office, I'm, you know, not spending time at home w w with my daughters. And when I'm saying no to a work commitment, it's because I'm trying to be a good mother. So, th yeah, th there is that sort of constant juggling. But what about that point, just for balance of, of this conversation, um, you know, do you feel like you're missing out on something, you know, when your friends are, you know, all talking about children or when you see other people, do, you know, is there, you know, Tanya and Laura, is there something that you feel like, I, I want to experience a little bit of that? Or, you know, is there a part of you that feels like you're missing out on something, which um, life is, you know, uh, you know, th there's a purpose, you know, and, and you're, you know, I, I don't know how to put it put it into words but you know just missing out on, on something whatever that thing is I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything I feel like the parts that I do want to experience with my friends children I do experience like I've thrown a baby shower for them I've held the babies I've like talked to them through their pregnancy when something goes wrong they'll call me because I, I love a bit of medical uh, trivia or something yeah. or I love hearing about it and that's the parts I want to experience. And those are the parts I have experienced. Mm -hmm. I don't want to experience the sleeplessness, the exhaustion, the stress, the worry, the financial impacts. I don't want to experience those. And I don't. So I just did. I'm in a very unique position where I can pick and choose. And I feel a bit lucky that I have friends that have kids that were, are totally chill with my decision. But they're also willing to share their experiences. I also, on the other hand, enjoy my child free friends because then we'll go off and do very adulty things. And like we'll plan like an adult only holiday, whereas with my child, my friends with children, I don't necessarily want to do Disneyland. So I pick and choose and I don't feel like I'm missing on things, but I do think, goodness, raising children, working full time, or even just raising children, looks bloody hard. So yeah. I'm happy I'm not doing that. Yeah. Tanya? 
I'm a very curious person and I'm also very philosophical and I appreciate and I've understood very clearly that there is a part of this human experience that I'll never know. And it's not the same as having a pet, a cat, a plant. It's not the same. And I know people say that and they joke about it. No. So I, I, I do mourn that part that I'll never understand. There's a depth of connection and there's a depth of humanity that I won't understand. Um, and I've made peace with that. And I seek to have a depth in another dimension. And should that be through my community, through, I don't know, I go to Burning Man and there's like, I don't know, everyone, there's like a huge existential, experiential feeling there. I want to go to Burning Man, but because I have Me children, too. I can't go. So, you know. <laughs> well, you can, you can. Yeah, if you can wanted go in to. about 18 but years, Marie. <laughs> um, but I, I, just, I think I seek that connection or I look at it a little bit differently. And I do fully acknowledge that there's a part of this, like I said, that I will never feel but maybe I can feel something else and maybe I can make it my own. And, and, and I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Mm. Well, can we talk a little bit about the mourning process, Tanya? Because I think there will be, you know, other, you know, people out there, women and men who've had to make peace with that. And, you know, making peace is a great thing, but if you don't fully make peace, it's something that creeps up from time to time and it can damage relationships. It can, you know, take a mental toll on, on us. How did you sort of deal with that? That's a good question. Cause a lot of people end up, not having children not by choice and and to be honest i will never know if i could have had children or not because we never pursued that avenue so i'm standing here saying i'm child free i don't know maybe i wouldn't be able to and i would have a very different experience because the choice would be gone and i would feel like why me uh, why can't i do this why is life why is my body not perform I, I don't know i i've never had to experience that but i should imagine that that's really hard to reconcile because not only do you have the pressures, your own hormones, your own desires. And then that's something that you can't take to the next level. And I think that that's a very separate conversation. And that's why I'm mindful of the words child free and childless, because these are this was a choice. And I have a lot of empathy for people. And I have a lot of people close to me who don't have that same dynamic. And I think that is really hard because you, there are constant reminders. You walk down the street, everyone's pregnant. Everybody's talking about babies. Everybody's had them. Everybody's going to have them. Everybody wants to have them. And there's really very little place to go apart from the sadness, I should imagine. And that's a very different mourning process. Mm -hmm. For me, it was more of a mourning process of my own decision making and my own responsibility around that decision making. And that was a very um, personal experience, although my husband was aligned with what I, we had decided. This was a joint decision. His process was very different. But I still feel that I can talk to him about that. And it comes up very randomly. Um, sometimes I'll find myself in the evenings with a bit of time on my hands and I think like okay I, I have very good things to do and to be doing but I realize that this is perhaps a little bit unusual in a lifetime where you have just time around you because most people are scrambling they're feeding people or they're bathing people or they're trying to put people to sleep and so I think those moments make me go hmm am I making the best of this opportunity that I've created for myself and how can I get better at creating this opportunity and situations in that? So my, my process is very different because so my, philosophical. my choice. Yes. <laughs> I told you. Yes. <laughs> so I, mean, my, I think my questions are more existential than, than practical. And, you know, but can I, I just say, I really admire, well, both of you. And, you know, I, and I say that all the time with, with friends and, and family who choose to be child free because, you know, it, it's your own choice. And I thank them for respecting my choice. And it's only natural that you extend the same sort of courtesy and, and respect to, to, to other people as well which baffles me that it's it's a question that people feel the it's a strange thing they feel, they feel the they feel right entitled. Yeah. yeah they feel entitled to ask and and 
to judge, to be judgmental about it. That's the thing. It's sort of the mindset is if you've chosen not to have children, it must be because you're defective or selfish, you know, or something. Can we, we've got only five minutes. Can we talk about that selfish point? Because that gets crept up from time to time. I mean, Laura, Laura, maybe I'll go to you first. What do you say to people who say, well, aren't you just being selfish? I think that there's a lot of different aspects to that term selfish. Selfish in itself is a legitimate reason simply to not have children, just because, as I said, it is a lot of work. And maybe it is selfish to care about yourself, but also self-care is not selfish in the same way. But if you're not in it completely, wouldn't it be more selfish to have children and not give your 100%? But also... um, these phrases that we get, we get bingo, these phrases, oh, you'll change your mind, oh, it's selfish, oh, you'll change your, when you meet the right person, these phrases, they are so superficial compared to the actual reasons people have. And I said before, and I'll say it again, it's not small talk, talk. it's something quite deep, personal and big, the same choice as having children, choosing not to have children is the same, it's the same level of enormity in choosing how you live your life. So yeah, maybe it is selfish to some, and I've definitely heard the argument from others that it's selfish to have children, to feel the need to make many yous or many thems. And I think both are perfectly valid. I think we are kind of selfish as a species because we want to live and be happy and do things and eat things and experience things. So yeah, life is a little selfish. And I don't think being selfish is always a bad thing as long as you're not being cruel that's the difference just don't be cruel you can be selfish don't hurt anyone though tanya i think selfish has so many angles and it really depends on who's asking and why they're asking and where they're sitting and to be honest i mean i think if everybody just left each other alone and let them get on with things we wouldn't have to have conversations like you're selfish what do I know about anyone's life? What does anybody know about my life? And and, and what, what these kind of bingo questions are so ridiculous because they completely dismiss the nuances and the complexity of who we are as people. And, and, and um, so, yeah. Do you ever want to turn around to the people who have children and say, you know what's selfish? You know, using the world's resources or, or you know, some, something like that. And, you know, and, and to be honest, when you're child free, you, you know, some people choose to dedicate their lives to great causes, charity work, volunteering. That doesn't sound selfish. So perhaps, yeah, you, I mean, you're both right. Just because you choose not to have children or you choose to have children doesn't make you a selfless person. Maybe it makes you sort of more caring for your offspring, but that's because yeah, you're obligated to. But there's, it a selfishness, you, yeah. there's a selfishness in having children because, you know, what could be more selfish than reproducing yourself, right? And as Noreen, as you or said, not using, using clock nappies. Anyway, that's a different topic. Right, exactly, <laughs> using the planet's resources that are scarce, and you know, having to 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 consume just so much more because you've you've just created more humans. So it it is a it's it, it's a very interesting sort of viewpoint that um, you know by by staying um, child free that you're somehow selfish. I mean, it really is more that you have a more control probably over your life because you don't have to think about, okay, what about the little person and what are we going to do with them? Um, and which goes on for 20 plus years. So, yeah, I think it's, it's just an interesting mindset that maybe um, we've fallen into over generations. Absolutely. Um, and I think the last word really should go to Nate, our listener, who says fur babies are the way to go. And we see a lot of that, you know, in Hong Kong, especially where 
real estate is expensive, houses are small, and many couples choose to be child-free. And, you know, having pets is, is a way, but maybe that's a, a topic for, for, for another day. Meanwhile, thank you so much. I'd really like to say a big thank you to Tanya and Laura for joining us this afternoon. Really a terrific conversation and bringing to the hearts and the minds of, you know, our public, really uh, educating us with a lot of different viewpoints of just having the choice of staying child-free. So thank you so much for such a great sharing for both of you. And I look forward to having you all back on the program next time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, thank Laura. You. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks, thank Marie. you. And thank you very much to you, Karen.